Well, welcome to the second edition of the Boxing Insight Pod. On the panel today, we have myself, Cameron, John by Root and Mike. Uh, it's quite early time for a podcast for us. Usually we're a bit early later on in the evening, but we're on simply because we got former middleweight champion Kelly Pavlik on for an interview to talk his boxing career, uh, breaking down from the start to finish and other things that he'll probably want to clear up in terms of boxing related, such as staff infection with Williams that kind of almost ruined his career. So we'll get into that. So I'll ask you again, guys, if you can just kind of this time quickly, <laughs> if you can just kind of simply break down your thoughts on the public as a fighter. Uh, Rue, start with you just quickly this time. What was your thoughts in a few words on Kelly Bablik? Great boxer with a lot of power, man. Did not, you know, he was a straight, you know, I'll take some shots, but I'm going to give you some of my own and we'll see where, you know, where it goes. Good inside game, man. Good pocket game. Uh, I, I respect him as a great middleweight champion. Uh, I uh, I had a very fun time, you know, watching him, especially versus Edison Miranda, you know, all them guys like that, you know, uh, Jermaine Taylor twice, you know, I mean, Gary Lockett, you know, saying I remember for Vincent Harris. I also uh, remember Abel Hernandez back in one, it was at 159 in uh, Oklahoma, USA, at Lucky Star Casino. I mean, it, it was great, man, you know, saying. Good boxer, great boxer. I like him. Well respected in my opinion. Mike, just quickly, I'll, I'll let you uh, have your say whilst I get him in the call again. Yeah, Kelly Pavlik was a good boxer. Um, when I think of Kelly, I think of a hard puncher, one punch knockout power. Power. That's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, really tall, lanky, taking all middleweight, but. But uh, mainly, you know, that one-punch knockout power, you know, it's rare that you get that. And, and you know, when you have it, you know, you're a special fighter. So, so yeah, he was he was pretty awesome. He was pretty good. Yeah, oh, I agree with that. Well, he's just calling in again now. Let's hope this time it goes out with a bang and he can actually talk this time too. Right. Yeah, I agree, yeah. I agree completely with what you say. Right, see Hello. Hello, Kelly. You free now? Yeah, good? Yes, I'm good. I'm good. Ready to go. All right. Well, thank you for coming on again. Uh, I know we spoke before, it was about earlier this year, and obviously, you know, with the other guys. But um, we want to talk to you about the middleweight division, but we also want to ask you questions about, obviously, your boxing career as well. I know there's, there's a few new guys on the pod here today that are fans, and they want to ask you something about your fights with, like, Martinez and Hopkins <laughs> and uh, Taylor. So, um, you're good to go? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready. I mean, I, I want to ask, obviously, I want to ask myself, when you first got into boxing, you know, how long was you in the amateurs? So how long was you training for before you had your first amateur fight? You know, why you got into that gym for the first time? Uh, and, uh, you know, how, how long did your amateur career kind of span, pan out for over a period of time? I started, I started when I was uh, nine years old. Um, I played uh, baseball, football. I, I was really good at other sports, believe it or not. Um, and uh, I got to box, and actually, it started off, I took uh, karate, and it was just boring to me. You know, I, I stood there, and I threw kicks and, and everything else, and it was just too easy. So I, I really didn't like it, and then I went to the boxing gym, and I was nine years old, and I got my, if I'm allowed to swear, I got my ass whipped, and, um, you know, the first thing I wanted to do, I wanted to go back, though. So I was like, no, this ain't going to happen. I'm going back. I'm going to kick his ass, and... Uh, 
I, I kind of fell in love with the uh, one-on-one aspect. I was, yeah, nine years old, and, um, you know, I, I fell in love with the sport. That, that was it. I mean, how long was you training for in the amateur gym before you had your first amateur fight? Was it? Did you have an amateur fight pretty quickly after first going to the gym, or did it take yeah, a while? Yeah, so I, I probably about, no, it was about three months. I was there three months, I learned. And, and actually, believe it or not, I won my first amateur. I fought a kid that was um, the Ohio State Fair champion. He had like 47 amateur fights, and he was two years older than me. And I put a wow. weapon on him. Actually, I always had big feet. I wore a size 14, and uh, I did the yeah, Ali shuffle in that fight, and I almost tripped myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow, they, and, and, and they allowed that fight? He had 40 fights, and that was your first fight? Yeah. Yeah, you know, they did a lot because all they did is they put my uh, pants on, they put um, a phone and, and a couple of things in my pocket to make sure I was, you know, heavy enough. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Did you enter many tournaments, Kelly, as, a, as an amateur? Do you enter like national championships or anything like that? Yes, I sure did. I won uh, actually one year in 1998. I won the uh, national title. I won the national junior gold gloves. I won the under 19 national championships, and I qualified one of the youngest kids to qualify for Olympic trials. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, how long did you, was you, because I mean, obviously you started at nine, and I mean, how old were you when you turned professional? Because you obviously had a long amateur career. Yeah, I turned pro uh, right after I graduated high school. I fought my first pro, uh, pro debut was in June 2000. So I was like literally a month and a half out of high school and I turned pro. Rue, are you there, mate? Yes, I'm here, brother. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, when you did turn professional, uh, Kelly, obviously you fought, uh, was it Eric Benito Jand? It was on t- in 2000? Yeah, Benito Jand, yeah. Yeah, I mean, when, when you turned professional, uh, you know, can you remember what the kind of the, the emotion was, the feeling was when you made that ring walk in your first professional fight? Like, how, how you had to deal with the media obligations? Was it different? Yeah, it was on TV, too. It was on, it was on ESPN, my, you know, I made uh, TV. So I, I was shaking like a dog shit and razor blades. You know, I, really? I was nervous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was, uh, you know, for the kid I was fighting, actually his trainer was uh, Mike Tyson's original trainer. The kid was short and stocky, built, I mean, like built like a, a brick shit house. And, um, you know, I was nervous as hell. Wasn't it that against Eric Benito uh, John, Sand? Yeah. John? Yeah, in uh, Zon, Yeah, pronounced Zon. Zon. Yeah, it was in California, yeah. Um, yeah, California, yeah, 163. Yeah, did, you, um, did you fight 165 as an amateur? No, I fought in amateurs. I fought uh, in 1998 when I won all the uh, national tournaments. That was at uh, Walter Weight. Then I fought my oh. first debut was that actually at junior middleweight. I fought my first three fights at junior middleweight, and then I it jumped up to middleweight. Yeah, I mean, when you fought, um, I mean, so well, you started your career at junior middleweight. How long was your junior middleweight for? How many fights did you have before you moved up to middleweight? And one, two, oh, only three. three. Oh, yeah, I there was only three fights. Yeah, I believe the last one was the kid I fought in Tennessee. And they actually put eight ounce clubs on me and I almost killed the kid. <laughs> Not bad. <laughs> so, I mean, when you fought. But, uh, I mean, you went on... Yeah, because well, uh, junior middleweight, you know, depending on the commission, they allow you to either wear um, 8-ounce gloves or 10-ounce. It's right between that fluctuation point, you know, like where you can wear 8-ounce or 10-ounce. And uh, they, yeah. they put 8-ounce gloves on me. I couldn't even get them on my paws. I'm like, really? <laughs> what are you guys trying to do to this kid? All right. 
at the same time, though, I had to worry about getting it too. You know, it still hurts. I mean, you're, I mean, when you, you when you first turned professional, I'm just looking at here. You fought all over the place, you know, California, Wisconsin, Tennessee, uh, Oklahoma. I mean, you obviously you travelled in your early part of your career. You know, it wasn't like some fighters will stick to fighting in their hometown, whereas you kind of travelled around the states fighting as and kind of learning as a professional. Yeah, you know, the big thing was, you know, that we got in a fight about, but it was kind of good. You know, when I when I turned pro, they put me on, like, a lot of it was uh, De La Hoya undercard, you know, when he fought Vargas, when he fought Hopkins. Um, so a lot, a lot of it was that, you know, just get me out there, get me to the public, which, which was a great idea. That's why I top ranked. That's why Bob Arum and, and Cameron and people like that are, are big. And, uh... Yeah, I, I want to ask, though, because yeah. was you... When you... it, 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 it was the exposure, you know, get me out there into the public eye. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, so right out of the amateurs, yeah, yeah. you signed with Top Brink? Yes, yep. Was you with Duncan straight away as well? Was you with Cameron Duncan as soon as you turned professional? Yeah, you know, and Cameron don't work for one certain uh, promoter. Uh, Cameron, you know, he, he's an agent and um, or a manager too. But, uh, no, he was good. You know, we had Lou Duva. Lou Duva came to the house when he was with uh, Manny Benz. We had a, a lot of different promoters. And, you know, top rank just seemed to want to fit. And, uh, like I said, they did a hell, hell of a job with my career. I mean, uh, if you, if, when you say you, if you go back and change anything, I, I never would have. You know, I, I would have stuck with Cameron Duncan and, and top rank. They did unbelievable. That, that's why they're one of the legit uh, promoters in boxing right now. They know how to make champions. Yeah, I, 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 don't, don't get it wrong. Don't, don't get it wrong, Cam. They, they um, you know, I, I, I took me seven years pro before I got a, a real title shot. You know, I was knocking everybody out. I mean, I have one of the, the highest knockout ratios, and I'm going like that. I'm seeing Jermaine Taylor fight for a real title fight. I'm seeing all, I'm seeing all this shit unfold, and I'm going, how come it's not my turn? You know, where am I at? And, and uh, I got a little frustrated, but they, you know, obviously, they did the right thing. I fought everybody too. I fought the best fighters. And they tried, you know, they tried to get me, um, they, they tried to get me fights and get me to go to rounds and I kept knocking everybody out, you know, so. So when, kind of touching up on that, like you're saying, like, you know, when you were kind of hoping and you were kind of wondering when it was your turn to get a title shot, was that frustration, did you turn that frustration into like, into motivation to train harder and work your, work for your spot? Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, I, I was, um, Hell, what was my record? Uh, Twenty-three and zero, or, or something. With yeah. uh, three, three or four fights, I went to decision, and I finally got the real title shot. You know, the Miranda fight. Here, here's the big kicker, uh, real quick. When I fought Tortucci, that was the uh, number one eliminator. That was a, a, a real title fight. After that fight, right. so I got done beating him, and the WBC gave me the big old uh, thing to put around my neck, and which was saying that my next place could be for the real title. And then they go, No, you know what? Wait a minute. You got to play Edison Miranda now. Um, yeah, you know, I saw that fight. Yeah, you know, like, what, what are you guys doing to me? I, I thought this was the eliminator. So, but I sucked it up and I went and I bought um, Edison Moran. Which, which, which everybody expected you to lose. A lot of people just thought Miranda was just going to come in there because everybody was talking about Jermaine Taylor and Miranda. No. And, and, and that was when Miranda was hot. You know, he got done and he yeah. got robbed by um, Abraham. He broke Abraham's jaw in how many different places. And, um, you know, he, he did everything besides put, put the kid on a stretcher. You know, that's why he lost. Yeah, well, yeah, like you said, I'll, I remember seeing that fight with Miranda and Abraham, and obviously it was a, 
obviously it was in in Germany, and even now, you know, you got you got to put Abraham on a stretcher or knock him out to win a decision over there. Otherwise, you know, it's not going your way. Yeah, and that's right. How did you um? How did you feel about that though? You know how everybody had Miranda as the next guy to fight Jermaine, and you know pretty much you were just just the guy Miranda was supposed to beat to get Jermaine Taylor, you know, just for that fight to happen. Yeah, you, I, I, you know, it was one of those fights. So, you know, that's what happens over in Germany. But, um, you know, and, and that was a big thing in my career. I wanted to fight uh, Abraham. But, uh, you know, the, the promoters never came to terms. They, they wanted to fight over there. I was the undisputed middleweight champion. And they wa- Abraham wanted to fight. I wanted it. But top rank, which was smart, they go, why, is, why am I going to send my fighter over to your country when he's the undisputed middleweight champion? Why don't Arthur Abraham come over here and fight and we get the money? You know, and so they never negotiated. It just everything fell apart, and so there was no. Um, I can't explain it. You know, nothing ever got done with that fight, and I would have loved to fight Abraham. I thought it'd be an easy fight. But if you go back and look at what Taylor did after I knocked Taylor out, he was beating the shit out of Frotch. You know, and so the last yeah. time all he had to do was take one knee, and he would have been good. You know, he was beating the shit out of uh, Arthur Abraham. Jermaine was, and I beat Jermaine twice. I outboxed him. I won a decision against him. So, you know, if you go back in the boxing records and look at what I did, there's not really, you know, even with the Martinez, I lost to him, but I was beating Martinez. I was the first one beating Martinez, and that was back in yeah. 2010, I believe. And, you, you, you know, and, and, I, and I killed myself to make weight. I was not even at 80%, and I still put a whooping on that kid. When you fought uh, Miranda, Kelly, I mean, obviously, that was the eliminator, obviously, to get the, the, the fight against Taylor. When... I remember after that fight, because um, you know you brutally stopped Miranda, you know, and um, you know when you beat Miranda, and obviously you knew you were going to get that title shot because obviously that was on the undercard of it was Taylor and Hopkins, was it? Yeah, no, Taylor, uh, Corey Spinks. That's it. So, yeah, Taylor yeah. Spinks. So obviously Taylor was obviously the favorite in that fight against Spinks. I mean, when you beat Miranda, was there a sense of relief that you know that you were just you know you were going to be next in line and you were just you know, actually motivated to finally get that world title shot because obviously you had the frustration not getting the shot and obviously you, you then had that shot in your in the palm of your hand. You know, how was it a kind of a sense <laughs> yeah, of relief after beating Miranda? Yeah, you know, that, that's actually a, a very good question because, you know, going back to like when I told you um, after I beat Zartucci and then they're like, no, you got to fight another one. You got to fight Miranda now. And Miranda was a dangerous fighter. Um, I, we were really concerned. You know, when you go that long in boxing, you know, anything can happen in boxing. You know, you, you could be your third fight. You could be three times better, but the kid could throw a lucky punch and, and knock you out. You know, shit happens in boxing. And uh, for me to go seven years undefeated against the guys that I fought was, was like, all right, wow. And then you're, all of a sudden you're going to put me – I finally made it to the big stage, and now i got to fight Miranda, who's a, a brutal, brutal puncher. Now you want to go back to the hardest puncher in the middle way. Let me tell you one thing. Miranda was notorious for knocking people out. His record is everybody as good as mine with knockouts. And, um, yeah, when I beat him, you know, we trained, we trained different for that fight. We actually did like a military uh, style training. You know, we, we knew we were going to war. Um, in my opinion, for what my half-ass trainer, you know, Jack Lowe, will back him up. He can't punch going backwards, which was actually a good strategy, you know, because you really couldn't. Right. If you let Miranda set up and, and throw those big bombs, he's going to hurt you. So we trained our ass off to get strong and tough and go in there and show him my power, and we backed Miranda up. You know, if he couldn't, if he could not make a good punch, and if he couldn't plant off that back leg, then we knew we were in uh, good shape. So, uh, yeah, you know, it, it was a, a good strategy. But pretty much what it was was going into that fight, 
against Miranda, like, all right, I'm going to war, man. That's it. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take bullets, but he's gonna take mine. You know, I came with the fifty cal. He had the nine millimeter. So mm. that that was the difference. Was 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 he the hardest puncher puncher you faced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I still feel the after effects from that fight. <laughs> I, I got a question. You made my asshole pucker plenty of times. Good <laughs> <laughs> chat, man. This is Ru- this is Rue, sweet Sam, Mr. Sweet Science. I got a question to ask you. What was your mentality once you got the Bernard Hopkins fight? The fight that because you said you fought on the one of his undercards. So at that time, it's basically a two part question. When you fought on his undercard, did you ever saw yourself? When you watched him fight and you watched him fight live, you ever saw yourself were like, you know what? I think I can take this guy. Nah, you you know with, with that um, here here's a big thing with that with that fight right there, and you know I never said it. I've been retired three years, so you know, and I'm not making no excuses. And nobody ever knows this, but I'm gonna tell you guys. When I took that fight, I, that fight should have actually been canceled. If you go back and you could ask Robert Garcia, who was my newfound trainer when I went to California. Um, he had a kid by the name of Steven Luebino that was fighting on the undercard. And we actually had to put a prescription for my, my medicine in that. And you got to remember, I jumped up two weight classes also to fight Bernard Hopkins. Me and Paul Williams were trying to get that fight done. But again, and everybody blamed me. I wasn't ducking Paul Williams. Now, it's kind of like wiping your ass before you shit. It makes no sense. Why would I fight a kid coming up from 147 that has no power? He throws a lot of punches, but so do I. The kid's coming up from 147. So why would I jump two weight classes up to fight him? Everybody goes, oh, you just Paul Williams. Why would I jump two weight classes up to fight Bernard Hopkins at at late heavyweight? You know, that's not called ducking. That's called, you know, getting the best fights that's out there. And I I was sick as a dog. I mean, I I was – that fight should never happen. We put – we had – prescriptions that we put in different names and you guys could pull it up. You go to the mission and you go to Atlantic city, you can pull up to New Jersey and, and they'll tell you that, you know, how sick I was, you know, cause we didn't want the, the Hopkins camp firing out that I was sick. That fight should never happen. I only sparred three times the entire training camp, three times wow. the entire camp. And, um, and again, like I said, I went up two weight classes and the guy still couldn't knock me out. He stopped De La Hoya. He didn't even drop me, you know, but, and, and, and when you say if I could go back, you know, I do take that back. If I could go back, I wish I would never would have took that fight. You know, the only reason why I took that fight because it was the only name. I, I was getting, I was getting harassed because everybody kept because of Paul Williams. And they're going, oh, you're afraid of Paul Williams. No, I'm not. You know, it's my promoter. They, they, nothing's coming through. You know, nobody, nobody's agreeing on the contract. So I'm not fighting Paul Williams. So my only other option was, who are you going to fight? I said, fuck it. You know what? I'll fight Bernard Hopkins. I'll go up to light heavyweight. I'll show everybody that I'm not afraid, that, that I'm not ducking anybody. So I jumped two weight classes to fight Bernard Hopkins. And then I came back and, and I came back down two weight classes and defended my title against Rubio, who ended up who ended up uh, beating Lemieux, who was 25-0 with 25 knockouts. Years after I already knocked him out, you know. So that just goes to show, like, what I did in my career, you know. I, I want to ask. Very respectful, champ. Very respectful. Like that, champ. I, I want to ask you, Kelly. I mean, going back to just before that, when you fought Taylor the first time, obviously you beat Miranda, you got that spot. So when you fought Taylor, you kind of got yourself from uh, the undercard, and then when you fought Taylor, you know, you were in the main event of a card. Uh, you obviously the world title, the unified, undisputed lineal middleweight championship. Uh, what was the approach like going into that fight compared to your other fights? So obviously you're now on the, the big stage. 
against the against the yeah, number I'm, one I'm, champion. I'm, I, got, I got a buddy with me. He's not complying with me, so I, I missed the question. Can you ask that question again? Yeah, I was just saying. Obviously, you, you you fought Miranda, and when you beat Miranda, you then went from you're fighting on the undercards. You got the show against Taylor, so you're now on the main event against the lineal, the number one middleweight. You just beat Hopkins. So, what was the approach like going into that fight compared to your other fights? Because you pretty much got yourself to the top of the the tree against Taylor. So, what was the different sort of feelings and emotions around the media, the press conferences when you actually so made a event in the you're, you're, Yeah, but you're asking the question when I when I fought Taylor. What, my approach going into the Taylor fight? Yeah. That's the question. Yeah. Uh, well, you got to understand this too. I said earlier with my amateur background, I fought Taylor in the Olympic trials. And, oh, did you? Um, I lost to him. It was a good fight, but, you know, he won that fight. I, I admit to it, you know, a lot of fighters go, I got robbed. No, he, Taylor won that fight. You know, he beat me in the, in the Olympic trials. And um, I gave him a hell of a fight. But going into it, you know, the difference was that I was I was a grown man. You know, I wasn't 17 years old no more. I was, you know, at, at the age 24. So maturity right. settled in, and the thing was, we knew Taylor was quick. We knew he was fast. We knew he was strong. He he, he beat Hopkins twice, you know, and um, we went in just as the regular game plan, you know, just go back to the boxing, go back to my jab, go back to the right hand. Believe it or not, that's what got me. Jack Lowe kind of ruined my career, my, my, my original trainer. I was a hell of, Cameron, I was a hell of a boxer. I mean, I, I, was, I was slick. I used to make people miss. That's why I went to the Olympic trials. That's why I won national tournaments. And, and um, but he turned me into a, a one-one-two, you know, right down the middle, walk him down, break him down, you hit hard. And I got into that, you know, it's called a, a motor reflex. You know, everything was just walk people down. I was like fucking Frankenstein in the ring. And uh, the Taylor fight, though, my dad, believe it or not, was the one goes Kelly. He's like, listen, you, you got to get agile. You know, you, you, you have to get back on your feet. You got to move around. You got to dance. Get that, get that rhythm back. He goes, you can't walk him down. You got, you got to box this guy. And if you go back and watch that first Taylor fight, after the second round, but the first round, I outboxed Taylor. The third round, I outboxed him. I came back and threw over 100 some punches in that third round after I got dropped. And um, you know, just going to Taylor was, you know, uh, fist to fist. That was it. You know, just try to outbox him at his own game. Taylor. Also, you got to remember this too. Taylor was probably one of the greatest. When I go back and I talk about the Frosh fight, he was winning that fight. I mean, it was a 12th round. He got stopped. He would have won that fight, um, Abraham. But Taylor, gets he weathers out like in the seventh, eighth round. You know, he gets tired. I don't know why. I don't know if he needs a new conditioning coach or whatever happens. But Taylor fades in a later latter round. And yes, he, he knew that going into the fight. So our big thing was being in shape. Make, put a lot of pressure on him, make him throw punches, and we're going to win the fight, you know, especially in the later rounds. When you beat, who was the other champions in the middleweight division? Was it Abraham, Sturm? Were they the champ, other champions? Yeah, they were the champions. They never, they never wanted to fight. Their, their promoters never wanted to come to America. They wanted me to right. go there. Yeah. And again, you know, I was the undisputed middleweight champ, so why the fuck do I have to go to Germany, to your hometown? You know, like, what's the reasoning behind that? I'm the I'm the main champ. I'm the Lionel champ. You come here. You fight me. You know. Right. Yeah. That's why the other fights ever happened. Well, even to, even to this day, even well, obviously Abraham's now 168 champion. He still fights all his defenses in in Germany. You know, everyone goes there. But that, yeah. you know, obviously, that's where they're uh, kind of more comfortable. Even a lot, even a lot of other fighters. You know, they say, look, you know, why don't you come out? You know, prove you're a fighting champion. Come 
out of Germany. And, yeah, and but, but you know, Cameron, you know, real quick, but there's so many polls. Here's the thing, you know, and I'm glad you guys gave me a call because I've bit my tongue for a long time. There, there's so many politics in boxing. It's sickening. For instance, here's how bad it is. I'm going to tell you guys something. I really want you to put this on your podcast. Jack Lowe, my trainer, who just actually promoted a show where a kid died. Like, yeah, a kid died, you know. Um, I'm not going to get into it. It's none of my business, but yeah. I don't think the protocols were up to date. But anyways, we had a fight. The, the one that I canceled, I was supposed to fight um, Bill Cunningham and Youngstown, Ohio. And then uh, they paid me $2.5 million to fight Gary Lockett, right? Gary fucking Lockett. The only reason why he had a name was because his trainer was Joe Calzaghe's father. And then you're going to tell me I'm going to fight in my hometown for $30,000. And then I'm going to go to Canada to fight Buquet. And you're gonna, I'm going to his hometown for $1 million. You gave me 2.5 to fight Gary Lockett. And you, look, you want me to go to Canada. You want me to go to Canada to his hometown for $1 million to fight Buquet. That's bullshit. You know what? And Jack, the reason why I canceled that fight last minute, because I kept telling Jack, my trainer, I go, Jack. Did you get the contract yet? No. He was in he was in cahoots with uh, top rank. I go, did you get the contract? No, I didn't get the contract. It's coming. It was only like three weeks out from the fight. And I go, there's no contract. The reason why he didn't give me a contract is he knew it was for $30,000. I wasn't going to sign up. Plus, Jack was selling the tickets. He got all the, all the commission for the tickets and the, the programs, T-shirts, everything. Jack was going to, not only on, on that three grand that he was going to make for me, but he was making like probably about $70,000. And he got uh-huh. mad. That's why he turned on me. That's why I left him. Because he, he was in cahoots with top rank. He, you know, top rank is pretty much saying, here, I'll give you the fucking show. You you go fight. Here, we'll put it down at the Valley Center. He'll get whatever. You get the ticket sales, everything else. So Jack, Jack was looking at making money. He didn't give a flying fuck about me fighting or, or and he goes, oh, well, I'll make $100,000 when he goes fight to be You know, quick money. Jack don't look at the, the big boy. He looks at the quick money. And you know, and, and they think I'm not stupid. I mean, I, I've been around. I, I know more than Jack does. Jack only had fucking four amateur fights. He's not a trainer. That's why all the fighters leave. That's why I love them. Well, that's, that's, that's an interesting yeah. one. I mean, I mean, obviously, but you... And I, want, I want to see what happens because, you know, when you when you promote a show, you're only... And, I, and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this one uh, nationally or worldwide. I want to know. You're only guaranteed. You're only insured for $20,000. The kid had fucking brain surgery. Brain surgery right. died. So who's paying that bill? Yeah. Is right. Jack, I, 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 Jack better not fucking get away with that one because I swear to God, I will sue. I, I will personally, as being a fighter, I will sue the Ohio State Commission if Jack Lowe gets away with that one. You better find a way to pay that fucking bill because I know I promoted the show. You only guarantee it for $20,000. You, you only insure 20000 Brain surgery and, and death in a hospital is a lot more than $20,000. Right. Hey, champ, I got a question to ask you, and I strongly believe this right here. I believe that the bo- that the boxing uh, organi- uh, needs to be reshaped. I think it needs to have a boxing commission that oversees the, uh, these type of stuff like that and approves it before it goes on because I don't think there's there's enough. Boxing's been around for so long, for about 100, 100 years plus, that there is no regular commission like the way uh, Major League Baseball has to, that has the the the, the senators involved yeah, to it. What do you, you think? Know, do you and, think, and, you think you guys, somebody? You guys remember that? Uh, uh, it's, it's Fatima. 
Yeah, you guys, you guys remember that? Um, uh, he used to be a middleweight fighter. He was, he was a world champ. Uh, Mustafa. Uh, Mustafa. Yes. Yeah, Mustafa. Yeah. Yeah. He he tried getting. Uh, he he wanted to do it underneath the um Ali act. But here's the problem with that. You know, and that's a good question that you're bringing up. You, the only problem is you got so many different commissions, and, and all the commissions for each state is totally different. You know, um, if you fight in Nevada, you, you go through physicals. You're gonna have to do totally different physicals than you have to. You go to Ohio. You need to go see an ophthalmologist, you know, for your eyes. And, and so it's, it's kind of hard. Unless you get one, like what you're saying, you just get one big sanction of body, you know. For that's, body. that's what I was thinking. Right. Somebody, like something NFL, like federal. It's hard, though, because, because your states make money off that. Though. These, that's how these guys, you know, you're head of the commissions in each state. They make money. They're not going to get that up. You know, that's how they make money. I think After they should the do it like the way. He's making, he's making thousands. But I think they should be like the way, for example, let's say, um, you know, let's look at, the, I know this is off topic as far as, you know, saying boxing, but just an example real quick, guys. Um, like, you know, every state has their own laws, but they got to buy by federal laws. I think there should be a commission that allows each state to govern their own thing, but there should be an overall commission that could, that, you know, saying gets to oversee every state when it comes to boxing. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, I think they should like, something like, like that. Like in politics, so you know, like your Congress, your House of Representatives, yeah. or, you know, everything had to go through Congress. Um, yeah, I, it's I agree because with you, but I, don't yeah, think, I think it's happen. hard, yeah. You know, because I, I, I feel that there's so much money going into boxing, and these fighters are not getting their due their do uh cut I just had a conversation with a friend of mine and we was talking about Manny Pacquiao for example and we was talking about how much money he's made but at the end his bank account doesn't equal nowhere near what he has made. You know and I'm not we're not I'm not talking about top rank. I'm not gonna bring no 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 business like that. But what I'm saying is I think fighters should have something that if they get injured the boxing commission pays for it. You know, because these fighters are risking their lives for for littles of dollars, and like you said, the kid got brain damage and he died. Who's going to be paying that bill? Yeah, but like again, what I'm saying, you know, and I, I agree with you 100. percent Like I'm not arguing the point, but what what, what can you do? These, these commissions, these, these people that run these commissions, are that's their money maker. You know, that's how they make money. That's why you have like like right now in Ohio, we got Bernie Bravado. You know, this is how people make their money. That's their job. And Bernie Bernie's a great. I mean, he he did a hell of a job. And I think more, Jack had more to do with it, but um, with, with this kid dying, I mean, everything was up to date. They're both making their four debuts, so it was not a mismatch. You know, everything was it went by the rules. So you know, it's kind of just an unfortunate, unfortunate thing that happened. And you got to feel bad for the kid that making his four debut that killed the kid. You know, he goes, "I make my four debut and I kill somebody." You know, so yeah. it, 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 no matter which way you look at it, it's not good. But yeah. Your commissions, that's how they make money. And, and I agree with you. I think there should be an overall, like you're saying, yeah, have your regular guys that are, are, are the, um, the president of the commission, but have somebody overall looking over. Like, have, a, have somebody. So that way, even if somebody gets hurt, you know, like you, you got the uh, NFL. These guys are getting paid money. After so many years, they get paid money. They get benefits. Well, mm-hmm. how about boxing? You know, you, you're getting punched in the head. And, and how, how about giving, giving one of us some, you know, benefits for that, you know? But exactly, you that. exactly. And yeah. they should have, they should have that. Exactly. Like, like I, I healthcare, but, 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 but you got to remember this too, though. I mean, you know, a blue bird's blue and, and making sense makes sense. What I'm telling you is you try to go to a health, if you go to Anthem or Blue Cross or anywhere, you try to get healthcare and you go, yeah, I was a pro boxer. You know, them motherfuckers ain't going to give you, <laughs> no, they're, they're not going yeah. to. 
if you have any form of sickness or you box, they're not going to give you health care because they know you got problems, and that costs money. So to, to be able to get health care being a boxer is not going to happen because they know that, that, that you have damage. It's like life insurance. If you go, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, a, I'm in the Marines. Okay, I tell you what, if you say a guy works at Family Dollar or a guy that's in the Navy SEALs, let's see who gets life insurance quicker. You know what I mean? So yes. the, 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 the insurance comes, the hospitalization, all that shit, you're not going to get it. it. ain't going to happen, especially being a pro boxer. You can't get it. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I feel that boxers are so, so undervalued. You know what I'm saying? Boxing is a business, and they made so much money. It's just so much money to not be able to help the boxers, you know, in situations like that. Like you said, you know, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, they're not going to take a boxer who, you know, as soon as you tell them what's your occupation, you write boxer, they're going to tell you to leave. Exactly. That's my point. And I'm being dead serious. I mean, I will will make a million-dollar bet with anybody that wants to fight this. You go and try to talk to a hospitalization or or an insurance company and be like, yeah, I want hospitalization. All right, what do you do for a living? I'm a pro boxer. Let me see how quick you get insurance. Let me see. If, if you can just pick it right up, I'll give you a fucking million dollars. <laughs> I swear to God. Yeah, I'm a pro fighter. You know? Yeah, let's see how quick you get that life insurance. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Yeah, when I was in the Army, my wife tried to give me life insurance, and they said, what was his occupation? When I, when my wife said United States Army, they was like, nah, don't the government have you got one for you guys? You know, they, they let, you know, because I was in the Army, I had hey, life insurance. Hey, you say you're a, you're a housemaid. You're a housemaid. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> I should have, yeah. I maybe so. I should have said That's I was funny. a housekeeper. Yeah. You got a lot. Thank, thank you for the insight, Chief. Thank you. Thank you, champ. Thank you for the insight. Uh, yeah, back on to uh, boxing. I know for a fact that when you when you obviously fought Hopkins, uh, that, the Hopkins fight... I've seen things before. You've said I've seen you say it on the groups before. Obviously, we've gone through the Hopkins and the circumstances around a Hopkins fight. So obviously, when you fought Rubio, that was your defense again in your obviously in your hometown in Youngstown. You defended your middleweight titles in your hometown. Um, what, what was that? What was that experience like, Kelly? Defending your titles in your hometown. Oh no! You know what? That that actually that that was a very good moment. I mean, the, the drive down because when we were going to the arena, it was at the uh, Cabelli Center. And um, just to be a part of that and, and have that experience, you know, with everybody that was there and the crowd that turned out, the, the outtake, everything was awesome. I mean, that, that, was a, that was a great memory. You know, everybody that was there, the football players that hung out with Cleveland Browns, and, and um, I had the guy I watch every Saturday morning, uh, Corso and, and uh, Kurt, Kurt Herbstreit. You know, it, it was great. It, it was a very nice time. Yeah, I mean, when you when that was obviously in your hometown, Youngstown. Obviously, when you fought Rubio as well, you know, this is when Rubio was really in his kind of uh, pinnacle in his physical best because obviously he's still fighting now. Obviously, you got Golovkin that beat him, but you beat uh, Rubio. I think it was like six years before the well before Golovkin all that fought him. So obviously, when you fought Rubio, Rubio was one of the top middleweights in the world at that point. You know, he's ranked. So you know, to, yeah. you, you defended your title was in the hometown against you know one of the best possible contenders you could have fought. Yeah, you know, and I did it in my hometown too. It wasn't uh, Gary Lockett; it was Rubio, who was a, a bad dude. You know, he, he could fight, and I, I did it in my hometown. You know, I took a ballsy move on my my part. You know, I, I easily could have picked somebody else, but you know, Rubio was there, and actually, Rubio fought uh, on undercard with me, and um, I, I knew who Rubio was. No. He, he was a, a scary dude, you know, and um, a great fighter. 
but I, but I still took the fight in my hometown. You know, that was my defense. And, and, you know, I always felt, even after I won the world title, I felt like I always had a vendetta. Like, I, I had a, I had to prove myself, you know, so give me the top guys. Because people will fall, like Paul Williams. You know, that that really irks me to this day. And God bless the kid. He was a hell of a fighter, but uh-huh. I never ducked Paul Williams. I, I would have took that fight over Hopkins uh-huh. in a heartbeat. I never ducked anybody. I And again, as I was going back, I jumped up two weight classes to fight Hopkins. I uh-huh. fought Rubio in my hometown, my title defense against Rubio. Rubio was a bad dude. I don't know if you guys go back and pull up the records. Rubio was a bad dude. He just won a world title. He's still fighting. I fought him back in 2009 or 2010. Right. That was, what, six years ago? Yeah, Seth. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I kind of proved my point on, on being a person that didn't duck anybody. I wanted Abraham. My God, you know, David had to put a muzzle on me so I didn't kiss Abraham while I fucked him, you know? So, <laughs> it's one of the things, you know, and it kind of irks me. It gets me all pissed off. I mean, I fought everybody. Everybody, I, like, again, I jumped up two weight classes to fight Bernard Hopkins. Right. And then I came back down two weight classes and defended my title against Rubio, and I knocked him out in the eighth round. Yeah. Yes, you did. You. Then after that, you beat Espino, Espino two in the fifth round, TKO. Yeah. Yes, you did. Who, 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 who was it? Espino. I fought him in Youngstown. Yeah. He was on ESPN. He said he won the contender. He was a bad dude. I fought him my hometown. I could have fought. I could have picked somebody else. I couldn't walk and chew bubblegum, but I picked Espino. Yeah. When you. Contender champ. When yeah. when you fought Espino, obviously you beat Espino. Espino after that was obviously that was when the, the Paul Williams fight was supposed to happen. And obviously, you know, I, I, I've read, you know, I've heard as well that the you know what happened and all the staff infection. But can you kind of explain, you know, how bad that situation got, Kelly, with the staff infection and why that fight didn't happen? Because I know it was a really bad time for you. Yeah, you know, the staff infection was that, that actually was real bad. And, and the sad part is the staff infection wasn't wasn't the um, problem. Um, I had a reaction to the antibiotic after the surgery. You know, I was on a sick line, and um, I had a reaction to the uh, antibiotics, and, and I went to like a stage four reaction. I was purple, and they call it red man syndrome. And they, my my dad took me to the uh, hospital. I was supposed to go get a check on my hand, and the doctor that was looking at my hand goes, "No, you gotta go upstairs." I had a 105 temperature. I'm going, I can't be sick. I got one of the strong, two of the strongest antibiotics. I was on Bactrim and Bacomyosin. I got two of the strongest antibiotics in my body. I'm, I'm not sick. Why am I getting feels? Well, it was a reaction to the uh, antibiotics. And uh, I, I was I was a sick person. I was old. Actually, if you, if you Google it, I picture Kelly Tan for the Paul Williams fight when it got canceled with the staff infection. There's a picture of my knuckles. Yeah, I've seen that. With the, you know, yeah. Yeah, it's bad. So you guys just yeah, you post that one. Show everybody. Yeah, it was it was a, it was a bad picture. I mean, obviously, I know you was in hospital, and I know you were actually uh, in rehab after that incident, weren't you? And he was actually, you know, it got real bad. And I know didn't Bob Aaron visit you in hospital as well? And you, you know. Oh, uh, I can't, I'm sorry, I couldn't understand that. I said obviously after you, obviously when you did have you obviously in rehab for a while after that as well. Yeah, yeah, but that that was uh, minor. That that was bullshit. You know, that that was because I went out. You know, I, I was having a good time with my friends, and you know, and you know, what? I'm glad you brought that up. That rehab. What happened with that was, I went out with my buddies. We went to uh, Vegas on a whim. I made, I just made millions of dollars, and you know, was a young kid, twenty twenty some years old, and we we went out and uh, we went for uh, two days, not even 
and we had a good time. And I came back, and next thing I know, I wake up to an intervention, and it was, I'm going to divorce you, or you're going to rehab. So, you know, I said, all right, well, I'll just go to rehab. Fuck it. And uh, it wasn't because I had, I really had a drinking problem. That's not the, you know, everybody, that's, that's the first thing that everybody always puts on me is the drinking, you know. And, and that's not the problem. I get in trouble for the smallest things in the world. But, uh, you know, it was kind of one of the things that I, I woke up and there they were. We had a guy that flew up to California and she was like, if you don't go with them, we're done. So I kind of had to man up and be like, you know what, I'll fucking go. I'll go for 30 days. But I ended up hanging out with Steven Tyler, you know, became best friends. You know, hey, champ, and uh, that was, yeah, that was awesome, man. You know what I'm saying? I know you don't like to talk about the personal, so let's just keep it boxing, uh, champ. And uh, what do you see about today's uh, today's fighters? You got Triple G making a lot of noise at 160. You have these catch weights. You know, uh, these catch weights are becoming, you know, maybe a little bit too ridiculous nowadays. What do you think? What do you think about today's yeah, state of I, I don't agree. Uh, you know, I, I disagree and I agree with you. The catch weight, no, that, that's actually good because it still makes fights. Yeah, yeah. And okay. if a person can't make it, you know, it, it's a boundary. Just like the second Taylor fight, you know, we didn't fight it for the middleweight title. We fought at a catch weight because he couldn't make the weight. But people wanted to see that fight, though. So we made it happen because of the catch weight. Taylor said he couldn't make 160 anymore. So I said, I'll, I'll jump up to 164. Let's, let's have a catch weight. So, yeah, you know, it still makes the fights happen, though, if they could agree, uh, you know, agree with it. Um, I think catch weight's really good because that's what the people get to see. Um, but I tell you what, that Triple G, he's not a bad fighter at all. I think he's pretty good, but he still hasn't fought anybody, you know, until he fights somebody. I think a, a Canelo, a Canelo fight will be fucking huge. Yeah, I thought it's happening right. next year. Yeah. Apparently it's happening next year. The reason why I brought catchweight is because it's not because I don't like catchweights. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that people do not give the winner credit because they throw catchweights. So, you know, this when, when, for example, Floyd fought Canelo, you know, people that understand yeah. boxing knows that Floyd was going to wipe the floor with Canelo, but there were some people that still had that, so they fought at the catchweight. Now he, Floyd doesn't get credit for beating Canelo in the catchweight, and that's the thing about catchweights that I never liked, that regardless of whatever, the winner never gets the credit. No, but Floyd, you got to remember Floyd, okay. with, with a catchweight, okay, for, for example, and it, it's, uh, it's on record. I had a, a treadmill in my room. I had a stationary bike and a treadmill in my room to fight Martinez. Yeah. That fight should have happened at a catchweight. I would have won that fight if it was at 163. You know, I couldn't make the weight no more. Sometimes a fighter is unfair when a guy got to make a certain weight, and he's literally killing himself, but nobody knows that. Everybody just sees the glamorous part, you know, when he gets to the ring. Nobody knows what, go, what, what goes into that fight before that. So mm-hmm. catch weight is actually something that, you know, two pounds makes a big difference. Two pounds yeah. to be 20 more minutes or, or an hour on a treadmill, mm. you know, that two pounds. That makes a big difference. That's why at a catch weight, you're getting the best of both fighters. You are. You know, you get a guy that has to make that weight to come back down and fight, but nobody knows what he's going through to make that weight. When you you got to remember, I'm 6'2". To make 160, that's kind of like, you know, that's defying odds. It really is. Oh, yeah. And, and um... So what I'm saying, a catch weight makes a big difference, and you're getting the best of both parties because the one he can still eat, he ain't gonna kill himself, and the other one can eat all he fucking wants to go up only four pounds. He don't give a shit. So mm. he, he's strong yeah. and healthy. You know, he's not cutting weight. Right. 
So uh, catch weight, you're you're right there, and you're right in the middle, medium. Okay. When you fought, that's uh, a good. That's a different perspective, and I appreciate that, champ. Uh, go on, Mike. Go on, Mike. You ask first, mate. No, no, I, I, no, no. Go ahead, Ken. I, I, yeah, I, I was going to ask Kelly um, when you fought when you fought Martinez. Obviously, you said you wanted you wanted to catch weight. You couldn't make the one sixty limit anymore. I know you obviously you spoke before. You said that you know you don't make any excuses. You know Martinez is a you know brilliant fighter. Um, so, but can you kind of just break down what that training camp was like, having to make the one sixty limit? You know, when it come down to fight week, what was you kind of what was yeah, the cut weight that making is on horrible. it? You know what, uh, and I'm glad you guys brought that up. You know, actually, believe it or not. My wife, um, she, she was in the hotel room right before I left for the arena to go to the fight when I fought Martinez. And I rolled over on the couch and I looked at her and I go, and, and mind you, she wanted me to retire after I won the world title. Now, she didn't know. I just made $1 million. I won the world title. She's like, all right, you said when you won the world title, you're going to retire. She wanted me done. She hated me me fighting. And I, uh, for that Martinez fight, I rolled over before I leave. It was a half hour before I leave for the arena. And... Um, I go, Sam, I go, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. And she's sort of crying. Terry, she knew exactly what. After the Mar- Martinez fight. Um, because did you, you, obviously you had a cut. Are you still there, Kelly? Are you still there? I think he got cut off. Did he get cut off, did he? Yeah, I think so. It says he's still in this thing, but. Um, I'm here, brothers. I'm here. Yeah, we're still here. I think Kelly's got cut off for a moment. But yeah, um. Yeah, hang on, man. I'll pause it in. I'm the guy, but if he fought an 80% Kelly Pavlik, he would have got beat. Yeah, because I remember in that fight, Kelly, you, I'm not sure if, if you said it before, but you got cut in that fight, and there was a lot of, despite, you know, it wasn't like a major cut, but there was a lot of blood coming out of that. Do you think it was down to the, the weight cut and the training? No, no. No, you know, the reason why I bled so bad was because I was so dehydrated. Yeah, yeah. You know, and right, right. then the ID, they put the ID in me. So what happens with that is, when you get IV put and you get all that fluid in your body, that that blood's gonna keep pouring. It's more it's more water right. than blood, believe it or not. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that's why I kept bleeding. You couldn't stop the cut. We put so much adrenaline in my eyes that there was nothing. You know, you couldn't put no more. I think we went through uh, what was it, eight cc's of uh, adrenaline in my eye. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, that. Yeah. So yeah, there, there was nothing that we could do. Um. You know, and the cut wasn't the problem. The ninth round, I was winning that fight all the way up to the ninth round. And the reason why I got cut was because I made a move. And if you go back and watch the film, he hit me with a straight left hand because I paused. I couldn't move. Right. I was done. You know, my, my legs were shot. I, was like, I, like, I felt like I was in quicksand. And, and um, there was nothing I could do. And he caught me. You know, he caught me good, a good punch. And he outboxed me the rest of the fight. Yeah, Martinez, yeah, because again, Martinez is a fantastic guy. If that was the 80% Kelly that, that, that never would have happened. Yeah, because from watching it, Watching it from my point of view, it looked like you was having control of the fight, and then you got cut, yeah. and it seemed like everything just changed. Yeah, yeah, everything just changed. But... Yeah, but that that, that cut had. I'm telling you guys straight from my point, that cut had nothing to do with it. it. I hit a wall. That's why I got cut. Cause I hit a wall that ninth yeah. round. My body literally shut down. I mean, I had no. I was lethargic. You know, like like I was in quicksand. I couldn't do anything. And and Martinez did a great job. He fucking he exposed my, my weakness and he boxed the shit out of me. The ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth round, he beat the shit out of me. Okay. There was nothing I could do, though. Go in, comparing Martinez to Hopkins, do you think um, do you think Hopkins was the more 
more difficult fighter yeah, to fight than... Ho- yeah, Hopkins is more uh, stronger. Again, you know, like I said uh, earlier, um, two A classes up, but uh, now he was Hopkins is strong and smart. And believe it or not, I actually I got a point took it away from me in that fight. You know, he's the dirtiest fighter of all time, and, and I get right. a point took it away from me. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you yeah, always... you know, he, he, he's smart. He's a little fighter. I give him that. But again. At eighty percent, Kelly Pavlik. <laughs> if I if, if I was able to spar more than three times for that training camp, I don't think Hopkins would have had that that good of a fight. Yeah, that's that's crazy. You spar only three times. I mean, me as a fighter, I, I like to spar at least twice a week, every week. Or, you know, I have to. No, yeah, you spar usually three or four times a week. Right. Yeah, three times a whole training camp. You know, it does say a lot that's about it. Ridiculous, right? I believe. Yeah, but, I know, believe... Again, and I'm not making no excuses. I'm not. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to get yeah. into that. No, nobody, nobody knows. Um, I had tendonitis. I had bursitis. My elbow was swelled. Um, then I ended up uh, two days before the fight. I ended up getting that bronchitis. And they, and and the commission and Atlantic City, or New Jersey commission, they wouldn't pass. So I had to get a certain pill. It was I, I wasn't allowed to the inhaler because there was a steroid in that inhaler. So I had to get a pill. So I took a pill to, to go fight. That was it. Yeah, but I don't get it. No, let, let Hopkins fucking let that one up, you know. Yeah, Ho- I know. I know. Um, I know. Martinez said that that you're the hardest puncher he's faced. Whatever that you're really. Yeah, well, Martinez didn't see anything though. <laughs> he got lucky too. <laughs> he got lucky. But when I tell you guys, but when I say he got lucky, he got lucky. <laughs> no, I honestly, honestly thought, you know, coming into the fight, I thought he was going to knock him out. You know, I thought he was too small. You were too big. They're still two great fighters. And one thing in my career, I was 40 and two. And I lost to two of all-time greats. I lost to Martinez and Bernard Hopkins. That was it. So you really can't, you know, if, if you go back and think about it, even though I did have excuses for the Sue Lawson and, and they're legitimate, but um, it's really okay. not back for if you, if you go back and think about it, it's not a bad career. Forty and two, you know, and I lost to Martinez and Hopkins, so that's not a not a bad run. Right. It's like the Williams fight as well. Like, touching up on what you said, Mike, it's like I thought that uh, Kelly would knock out Williams because I thought, even though Williams is a great fighter, he he only oh, yeah. he only moved up because you know he wasn't a natural middleweight. I just didn't think he would have took Kelly's power at one sixty. That would have been a good fight. Yeah, great. Volume versus power. power. That would have been a great fight. But Paul, you know, at 160, you can't take that many punches as he did at like 147 against these little guys, especially big punches like Kelly. You can't count count Paul Warren's out. He might have about 160. He was a hell of a fighter. He was. That kid had a pair of balls that he has a pair of balls that are bigger than anybody, so... Yeah, I, I think you would have. 
He was a bad. He was a badly avoided at his own weight at one four seven. That's why he moved up the weights. You know, no one wanted to fight Paul Williams. That's why he had to move up to get those fights. You know, the Martinez fight, obviously, you, oh, yeah. the fight with you. You know, he had to move up to get the fights. You know, he was. A, that's how good he was. He, he was good. Who's that? Bruce? Yeah, Paul, Paul Williams. Williams. Yeah, Paul Williams. Yeah, Paul, yeah. yeah. Well, again, you know, and that's not like a broken record. No, Paul Williams was, uh, like I said, it was tragic what happened to him. But um, if, if that kid could still fight, I'm pretty sure he could still whip a lot of ass in that wheelchair. You know, he was a hell of a fighter. And it's sad to see somebody that, that, that kid took care of himself, man. He, he was always in shape. That's why you do so many punches around. And to see something like that happen to him is... You know, it hurts. It's bad. But, um, no, Paul, uh, that would have been a good fight. Do I think I would have won? Yes, I would have won that fight. But it would have been a hell of a fight for the fans. People would like to see that because, again, he throws a lot of punches. I throw a lot of punches. So it, it would have been a great fight. I felt, I, I felt, and I had this conversation a couple of years back with a friend of mine, uh, rest in peace. Um, and we was talking, and I felt that, I told him that I felt that if you, if Williams would have fought you, at 160, I would have felt it would have been the same thing like Hagler versus Hearns. When Hearns moved up to one fit to 160, I felt that you know, if you look at his Paul Williams' body size, it was almost like uh, like Hearns. And I felt that at 160, you would have completely hurt him head and body. Your power, your power would have been too much. You know what? Um, you, you, you know what? Um, Paul Williams. You know, he, he, speaking of defying odds, that kid fought at 147. He's taller than That's I am. That's crazy. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, when you say when he's coming to 160, the middle way to fight me, that's the reason why. I would say if, if that fight would have happened, I would say it'd be a fifth-round stoppage. You know, I, I would have stopped in the fifth round. Damn, because I was thinking of the same number. Ain't that some shit. Yeah, due, due to the size and, and natural natural size, you know, um, other than that, but again, you can't take anything away from Paul Williams. I mean, the kid, he hell of a fighter. I mean, there's nothing you can say. They, they kick a fight. You threw a lot of punches. Yeah. You, you know you're going to go in that fight. You, you better make sure. You better go back and check your uh, little book and make sure you ran three miles at least three or four times a week. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I take another way from him. And again, I told him, I wish Paul Williams all the best in his life, you know. So yeah. that's why I'm not here bashing him. No. If the fight would have happened, yes, I'm right. going to say I, I would have won that fight easily. And, uh, and again, I jumped up two weight classes because he didn't take the fight. Lou Duba or, or Lou Dabella never took that fight. He never uh, settled anything with uh, top rank. So I would have won that fight. You got you. I mean that fight. Yeah, that fight was on. I mean, like, obviously you had the press conferences when you had the, the football jerseys as well. You know that fight was on until obviously the sad, you know, the sad uh, circumstances that stopped the fight. You know, you had to face off the media. You know, that fight was on. You know, that would have been a great fight. You know, it's quite obviously on with you. You know, obviously it's real sad what happened to Paul Williams. Obviously wishing him all the best. You know, one of the nicest yeah. guys in boxing. Yeah. 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 Again, you know, there's nothing to say. You know, it never got made. It was because uh, Dibella and Top Rank they. You know, those are promoters. What I do is I, I wrap my hands, I put my gloves on, I hit the bag, I go fight. You tell me shit, I shit. You know, you're in a shit here in Atlantic City. That's what I do. You know, so all, all, all that fell through, that was because of the promoters. Again, I never turn any fight down. You got to understand, the, the promoters negotiate the fight. And when one don't get along with the other one, and it's done on the terms that they want, that fight don't happen. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. 
So it's not the fight. And to this day and age, when you see fights just like with Canelo and Triple G, it's not Canelo. It's not Triple G. It's the promoters. They're they're, they're negotiating, and that's what happens. Nobody's ducking anybody. Yeah. Believe me, if you told Triple G he had to fight Canelo, they're going to fight, but it goes to the promoters. You know, the promoters go, what am I going to get? How are we going to make this? We're going to make the fight happen. And that's what happens. And it's not the fighters, you know. I'm with you. But the fighters... But, but, the fighters get the, the fighters get the blunt of the story because they're the ones that are ducking. But it's not the fighters. You guys got to remember that. Yeah. And take I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Gospel is fucking gospel. It's the promoters. Yeah, I'm, I'm with, with you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I'm, I understand. Agree with you. And obviously, I want to get your thoughts on this because I've I've said that for a while. I mean, like say for example, like say no. Any fighter that gets into the sport, you know, you know, if you're getting into sport boxing or any combat sport, you know what you're getting yourself into. You know, you know, you know what to expect. I mean, I'm with you. Like the politics are 100% the reason why all the, the top, you know, the top fights don't happen. Obviously, the boxing fans just kind of hear some quotes that have been reported uh, from boxing sites. They just go with it and they target the boxers off headlines. When really, let's be fair, even us three here on the pod that are talking to you right now, we don't have a, a clue what goes on beyond closed doors in the politics-wise. You know, we just hear what the, the reports say, and we don't 100% know. The fans never know yeah, what goes yeah, on beyond the closed yeah. doors. And again, you guys get, you know, you get the, 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 the fighter is the one that gets the blame. Like, if Canelo don't fight uh, Triple G, oh, Canelo's ducking him. Yeah. No, that, that's not, no, that's not the point. No, you got to see, because that's what you see, it's the fighter. It's the fucking promoters that that that, that interrupt and, and, and detract everything that happens. It's the promoters. If the promoter who's putting that show on, if he don't want that fight to happen at this certain place, or if this guy ain't getting this much and he ain't getting that much, or just say HBO or, or Showtime, if they ain't putting that much money up, you know, there's, there's a lot of shit that goes on. It's not the fighters' fault. So we, as fighters, we sit there, we train our ass off, we get our ass whipped to sparring everything else, and, hey, you're going to fight September 20th. All right, I'm ready to go. Well, if that fight falls out, that's not my fault. All I'm doing is hitting the fucking bag. The promoters are the ones that are setting the fight up, you know. And, and so it comes down to them. Whatever they like and what they want is what happens. So, you, you know, boxing people, not you guys, uh, so I'm not, like, point, pointing you guys out, but boxing people got to understand that. Quit talking. Quit being armchair boxers and, and, and find out the facts. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, we, That's the fighter's fault. Yeah, all we do is we hit bags and, and we train to get ready for a fight, and then it's the promoter that's negotiating everything else that goes on. So don't bust uh, Canelo's balls or Triple G's balls. You know, Triple G's going up with it, what his boss tells him to do. It's like if you worked at Walmart or, or anywhere, you know, your boss tells you, hey, you got to come into work tomorrow. Guess what? You got to go to work, right? And the same thing, a promoter is your boss, and you listen to him. Because yeah. without a promoter, you're going to be playing at a fucking local tavern, you know, like Jack Luke puts on where people die. And, uh, oop, too soon. And, um, you know, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. 100% agree with that. I mean, the thing is, like, with the fans, like, the fans, and that, you know, the fans aren't supposed to know what goes on beyond closed doors, like, negotiating a fight. You know, that's all to do with the fights. You know, we just want to see the fights get made. So at the end of the day, I'm with you. You know, we, you know even us. Or even the, the biggest yeah, boxing fans. Uh, but again, that that comes on that comes down to the promoter. Wherever he wants to put the fight, wherever they want to have the fight, then what happens is who's going? How do you, 
the, the promoter works like this. How am I going to make money? You know, especially when you're uh, uh, Bob Arum or, or Duba or, or De La Hoya. Everything is about how, how am I going to make at least break even? How am I going to break even, let alone make money? And HBO and Showtime, they pay these promoters good money. I know all this shit. And, um, you know, it, just, it boils down to that. It's horrible. And, and, and then, the, like, again, the fighters, the guys like Canelo or Triple G, they, they take the, the, they're to blame. Oh, he's ducking. But nobody talks about the promoters, you know? Yeah. yeah. I would ask you, uh, Kelly. Nobody does. I want to ask you about the uh, it's kind of the obviously we've gone through majority of this of the your career. I want to ask about the last part when you obviously after the Martinez loss you moved up to super middleweight. Obviously you had a, I think you had like a few wins against lots of Lopez, Sigman, Rosinski, and obviously after that the Ward fight was made. Uh, it was supposed to be happening in January. Obviously it got delayed because uh, you know obviously Ward suffered a shoulder injury, and then uh, obviously the fight was ultimately cancelled full stop. And then obviously after that you announced your retirement from boxing. Just kind of explain what the influence was, why you decided to call it a day after the ward fight got cancelled? Well, here's the reason. I ended up uh, going to California to train. After I won the world title, I made millions, and all of a sudden, I'm going to leave Youngstown, Ohio, and I'm going to go to California. And I was pretty much, I pretty much lived in California for two years. And um, that, that ward fight fell apart, you know, because he had the shoulder injury. That was, that was a big fight, and I look forward to that fight. And, uh, you know, when, when that got canceled and he was going to be out, and you got to remember too, you had the, um, you had the, you had the, uh, super six and most of the fighters, all, all the good fighters were tied up. So not taking anything away from Brzezinski or Scott Sigmund or anybody, but how many more fights like that am I going to take? You know what I mean? So it kind of, it kind of was, uh, like, you know, it's calling, you know, time, time to call it quits. And I, you know, I was going to take no more Rosinski fights. You know, the fans, the fans wouldn't like that either. No. Like, oh, it's kind of tough because he's a former world champion. Why is he still fighting fucking Scott Sigmund? You know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously when you got, you got the call, obviously to, I think I remember this, you saying, I think you got the call from the say the ward fight was off and you actually, did you just decide as soon as you got that, that call that that was it? You know, that was it for your career after you got the call. Yeah. Yeah. I was done. I mean, I, yep. I, I told I told my wife, uh, her name's Sam. I go, I'm done. I go, I'm retiring today. I'm, I'm calling Cameron, and I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm done. And I called Cameron. He goes, Cameron, he, he applied. I mean, he, he didn't argue with me. Um, he actually concurred. You know, I was like, I'm done. I'm done. I'm retiring. And he goes, thank you. He goes, thank you, Kelly. Thanks for everything you did for me. And I go, thank you for everything you did for me. That was it. I Do I get the itch? Yeah, I still get the itch. I watch these fights. Yeah, I want to get back in there. But um, you know, you got to know when to hang the gloves up, though. Yeah, you know? yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. I mean, so are you kind of do, do you? Go on, Mike. Do you still um train and spar and stuff? No, no, no. I'm, I'm screwing around with that uh, MMA, that uh, jiu-jitsu and everything else. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think, I mean, are, are your plans, are you ever got any plans to maybe run your own boxing gym in the future, Kelly? Yeah, you know what, that's actually what I'm looking into. I want, you know, but when you open a boxing gym, a lot of people just go in and they open a gym and they go, oh, I got a boxing gym. There's, there's a lot of money into it, but also you got to find the right location. You know, the right, like where to put the gym at, 
what to have. And I, I am looking into it. I, I would love to train fighters. I have one kid um, that I was training that he became a hell of a fighter. His name's uh, Jake Tarissio. And, uh, but, you know, it, it's a process. So you got to think. The only, the only good thing is I got a head start because of my name. So I will be able to get fighters. I call Cameron. Hey, right. Cameron, hey, you got you got a fighter over here? Yeah, hey, come on. Yeah, I'm going to send him over to you. I'm going to train. So, you know, I got a little head start being a, a former world champion, but it's still a process. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I want to ask, obviously, this may be a kind of a, 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 a predictable answer, but obviously now you look back on your career, you obviously you look at what you've done, obviously you become the unified, undisputed champion in the middleweight division. Uh, you, you fought some of the best fighters around. Do you kind of look back on your career and you think, you know, I had a hell of a career, you know, you're content with what you've done? Yeah, yeah. I, I was, you know, there was only uh, two fights and, and two ones I lost. And, and you guys are the only ones that ever came out and told. I don't make excuses. And I never, never reported it. But, um, yeah, those two fights that I lost, believe it or not, was not Kelly Pavlik. That, that wasn't even a, a 70% Kelly Pavlik in those fights. But, um, but it is what it is, though. You know, a loss makes you bounce back and, and become who you are, you know. So I, I lost two times. And, again, I lost to Hopkins and Sergio Martinez. So, you know, 40-2 and two with those two losses, it, 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 you know, it's nothing to, to be mad about. No. You know, the undisputed middleweight champion as well. And I... No. You, would you agree or is your proudest moment? Uh, but I, I, thought, I thought the original post was who is the hardest punch in middleweight. Yeah, we're just, we're just about to come on with that, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh come on now. You got to go back. Them, them uh, mid-80s, man, you can't. You got Duran, Hagler, Hearns. But Ju- Julian Jackson, you must be trying to, like, Jackson. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, who would you, that's what I was kind of saying. Now, obviously, you look at the, the history of the middleweight. Um, obviously, we were, we were talking about this yesterday. You know, who is the hardest punch in middleweight in history? And I kind of ask you, obviously, you're a middleweight yourself. You fought... Who would you say, or who would you categorize as maybe the, the hardest punch in middleweight ever? You know what? Uh, and I go back. I, I, I'm a enthusiast, you know, with, with uh, boxing, with the middleweight. But if you go back in age, you got to remember you had guys that that jumped up to middleweight, like yeah. Leonard. You had Hagler, Duran. I mean, you get done beating one guy, right? You get done. Say you get done beating Hagler. Hey, guess who your next fight is? You got to fight Duran. You get done with Duran. Hey, guess who your next fight is? You got to fight Hearn. So, right. no, that, that era right there was just unbelievable. Um, in my opinion, the best fighter of all time, if you think about it, is Sherway Leonard. I mean, he took two years off because of his attached retina. And he had no tune-ups. He came back. And controversial or not, whoever you thought won the fight, but even to make it a close fight against Hagler, speaks a lot of, a lot of words. You know, he had no tune-ups. After two years, he came back and fought Hagler. What do you, what do you say for that? You put him... <laughs> You put him over Floyd? Floyd, yeah, Floyd's not, but Floyd never really fought. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, to be honest with you, Floyd lost that uh, Castillo fight. The first, when he fought Castillo the first time, he lost that fight, but they gave it to Floyd. That was a close fight. I don't fight. think Floyd ever fought anybody <laughs> right in their prime. I hope Bruce never. stays quiet. <laughs> uh, well, Bruce, hey, hey, hey. He just, he, he just, he just beat Is he a top five fighter? Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. Yes, you, you, you cannot you cannot argue that point. Floyd is, is great, but did he ever beat anybody in their heyday? Canelo. You know? Well, Canelo was quite young when he was like twenty one. Canelo, okay. Canelo I, 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 I may have changed his fucking diaper. I mean, you can't say <laughs> that. Yeah, he has fifty some fights, but I mean, the kid didn't fight anybody though. He fought in Mexico. Exactly. Yeah. He's drunk. He turned professional at fifteen. 
No. Yeah, he turned professional at 15, obviously, had for, until he won the title. Um, obviously, he has to learn, but yeah, there's even you could. I tell you what, you give Canelo one more year. If you give Canelo one more year and let him fight Floyd again, he will fuck him. He, he might stop Canelo. He might stop Floyd. I, I have a bet my, my so. entire house on it. No, but Floyd, Floyd's going to be older, older, too. Yeah, oh yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, see, the, the, that, the fight is Canelo Golovkin, you know, that is the fight everybody wants to see. That is a. That is a war, you know, Golovkin Canelo. That's the fight everyone wants to see. Yeah, you know, I, I wish I was still fighting because I, I would like to fight Triple G. I think he's a great fighter. I, I do. I just think that he needs a test. You know, we we need yeah. to see what he got. You know, um, Canelo is that test. In, well, that's again that goes back to the promoters. If you're a promoter, put him in against somebody. Put him against uh, Cotto. Put him in against uh, Canelo. You know. One of the two fights. Let, let him see. Yeah, they're, they're smaller, but you know what? It's going to be a real test for yeah. a Triple G. We don't know how good the kid is. Right now on paper, what a, he's, not, he's unbelievable, but we don't know how good he is. He ain't fighting what, what if um, um, what if he fights Laura? You think that would be? Well, if it's Landy Laura, yeah, that's, that's a tough fight. Yeah, dude. Well, it'll be a test. You know, if, if he stops out Laura, then you know what? Hey, he's a bad motherfucker. He's good. Right. This this guy's for real. That's what you need. Uh, give him a test, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, did you did did you think he should um go up and fight Andre Ward, or or, or you think it's smart for him to just stay? Nah, I, I wouldn't take that fight. Andre, you know, I wanted to fight Andre Ward as the fight that I was supposed to have, but um, I don't I, I don't think so. He shouldn't have to jump up to super middleweight. Andre Ward actually is a big boy. I mean, he might be out late. Yeah, he's moved up now. now. He's moved up. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't take that fight. You know, you ain't gonna test him that quick. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, awards are different. You're not gonna toss him up two weight yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah. the award. You know, that's kind of like like throwing a, a fish right in the water. Do you do you consider Ward the best in boxing right now? He used to be, yeah. He, when I wanted to fight him before he had that that uh, all that shit that went on with the promoters and then that shoulder uh, surgery, yeah, he he was. Andre Ward was a, a legit dude. Good, great, unbelievable. Even though my buddy from Youngstown dropped him in the first round, though. Yeah. You know, Darnell yeah, don't know where he fights him, yeah. Yeah, but we, because we, obviously we had Darnell on the pod uh, not long ago, so obviously he was in camp with Golovkin, and we asked him about Golovkin's size because a lot of people have said, you know, that he's uh, he can actually move down, and Darnell said that he's. He's actually got the frame to move up or down. He's got that type of fighter because he's quite—he's not the tallest Golovkin, but he has got the frame to move up or down, and he could move down to 154. He said it before, but obviously, the, the probably the better idea is to move up eventually. But right now, yeah, there are there are tests from middleweight. Like, you know, Canelo, Cotto, Lara. You put him against any one of those guys, and then we're going to see what Golovkin's really about. Yeah, you know, and again, you know, and I, I always be so blunt on this uh, conversation with uh, Triple G, but until he fights somebody, you know, I think he's a good fighter. I mean, he got he got all the tools. He, he's a hell of a fighter, but until he shows us, until his promoter, not him, his promoter, puts him in against somebody, we really don't know how good he, you know, how good he is. Yeah, I mean, he's got the entire. He got you got the entire package. I'm not taking away from him. He's a hell of a fighter. He really is. But but uh, you just gotta wait and see, you know, until he, until he fights somebody. Yeah. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on because uh, we were talking about. This. I want to get your thoughts, Kelly, on uh, Julian Jackson because a lot of people regard him as the big, the biggest puncher 
not even just the middleweight division, but boxing in, in general. I want to get your thoughts on, on Julian Jackson. I watched him one time. Let me tell you real quick. That kid's going to get exposed. And, and that's all. I'm going to leave it at that. Good fighter. Again, I'll give him compliments. He's a good fighter. But he, he'll, he'll get exposed. He'll, he'll get somebody in there like a, a Kelly Pavlik, and he, he will get exposed. Um, hockey, arrogant, you know, almost like a broner, you know. Yeah, he, he's not going to go too far. Believe me when I tell you that. <laughs> and, but you got to remember this too, though. He might go, you know, I, actually I retract that because he might go far due to the fact that the middleweight division besides Triple G is kind of dead. There ain't nobody, you know, there's nobody out there. There's no there's no Miranda's, there's no Jermaine Taylor's, there's no Kelly Pavlis, right. you know. So he, he might actually end up, we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, I want to get your thoughts. So someone who couldn't be on the pod today, Kelly, wants to ask, I was going to ask you, Obviously, from obviously you're, you're from a boxer, you know, professional boxer experience. He wants to know if you were going to give any advice to young kids coming through the sport, what would it be? Work your ass off. You know, train hard. Um, you, you could be, you could have natural talent like Roy Jones or anybody else, but if you're not in shape, if you're, if you're not ready to go the full distance, then you're not good. All that talent goes for naught. You know what I mean? And, um, just you know, train, you know, make, make make it your passion, whatever you want to do. If you're going to go and box, boxing is not a game where, you know, I'm going to go play this and I'm going to quit. There's no timeouts. You can't call a substitute in. Boxing is it, a real sport. And um, yeah. if you want to do it, uh, put 100% into it, you know, and, and listen and learn, watch. You know, you can never stop, even me. I, I still watch young kids, nine years old. I see a kid, he throws a punch. I go, wow, that might work, you know. I wonder if you turn a little bit and you throw it that way, like that, that might work. So you, you never stop learning either. Just, you know, live and learn. Give it, give it all. You know, box is not a, it's not a sport where you half-ass. You can't. Unless you want to get your ass kicked, you know. Yeah. It's, a, it's a full go, full go, or, or go home. So. Rue or Mike, you got anything you want to add? What's that? Go ahead, Mike. Take this one. I got the. I got the next one. Um. No. I'm. I'm not sure. Boy, how, how much do I get paid for it? I think we've done both. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I well, we'll say this, Mr. Pavlik. Thank you for uh, the years you gave us in boxing. Thank you for uh, uh, sacrificing yourself, your mind, your body, your time, family time, to give us the fights that you know we uh, you know, fans like myself. Pretty sure fans like Cam and Mike and other, you know, loyal boxing fans get to enjoy and have in our private collections of, of boxing fights. Thank you very much. Uh, I, I, want to, I want to tell you guys, thank you, too, for let me get off my chest with, you know, what I want to get off. I, I really do appreciate it. And you guys actually got an exclusive interview with me. I told you guys the truth, and I never really told anybody else, so you got that. That's what I wanted to get. I mean, you act, you really went ham in there. And, you know, I am glad you let that off your chest because right now our viewers are going to get a firsthand taste and to hear what really, really goes on. You know, saying it, what happened in the two fights that, he, that you lost. What you hey, hey, how, how could, could you send me a text of, of the website that way I can just uh, click into it and pull it up? Yeah, yeah. I can. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm not. I'm not by my computer, so I'm on my phone. I don't use my phone for anything. That's why I couldn't do the uh, podcast. No, no, no that's so. all, that's good. I mean, 
if you want, I mean, obviously I'll post it up, and then obviously I can send you it if you want. If you want, I'll send you the link. Yeah, if you send me, you want, if you send me a text with the website, I can just click right on it and hop right into it. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'll do that. No problem. Yeah. But, um, All right, hey guys. Thank yeah, you, we, thank, thank you very much. much. Oh, we appreciate it, Caddy. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, no problem. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you, champ. Take care. Awesome. All right. All right.